Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. We're talking about unshakable kingdom, and we, we based it on this. I've shortened this up a little bit. It says, now this expression yet once more indicates the removal and final transformation. Final transformation. We're in that time of final transformation. What, we, what has commonly been called the last days. What has been misrepresented in the last day's message is that we think Jesus is coming to get us out of here. I think Jesus is coming to get us entrenched here in order that the kingdom of God can come. Pastor Mike, I like the rapture message much better. Well, I think, you know, the rapture message is, uh, is been a, been a, a plan of escape for us that we have banked on that I think we're coming to terms with it. The rapture was never intended by God to remove the church from its place of salt and light and effectiveness, which that message has rendered us for the most part unsalty and unlight, unlighted, if I could say it like that. So I'm not here to get into the last day's message, although I'm studying in that area that uh, things that I haven't taught for years, having to go back and correct my charts and everything and uh, rethink some positions and it's part of the kingdom because the final transformation of the kingdom of God on earth is, is really got me, uh, it's just got my attention. I'll, I'll, and so anyway, he says, it's a transformation of all things which can be shaken. So everything man made, everything on the earth that man has his hand to will be shaken. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, that's the kingdom I'm interested in. That's what I'm trying to communicate as weekly as it might be. And that, you know, I told, I told somebody the other day, I was talking with a pastor, and I said, you know, in all my years of school and, uh, and conferences and study, I have never heard as a subject anyone take the kingdom of God. When you go to Bible school, they don't teach the kingdom of God, and it's all Jesus taught. Anyway, I think that's interesting. Um, and so now I'm here, I am like making up for that ignorance in my life. I, you know, I don't know. I just tell you, I told somebody, you know, said to me a while back, they go, you know, Pastor Mike, you, uh, you, you talk about, you know, ignorance, like, uh, you're full of it, which I am full of it. I, and I, and I said, well, ignorance is, is like an onion. And there are many layers to ignorance. And what the Holy Spirit does is he deals with us one layer at a time. And that's the, it's, the Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light. And it shines more and more perfect to the day. So if, I'm, if you're still seeing what you saw 30 years ago, somewhere you stopped walking. Because the path of the just is as a shine. It shines as you walk, in other words. Um, I saw a picture in uh, the uh, 
I have this Smith's Bible Dictionary. I was looking up um, something, and I forget even what I was looking up, and I saw these sandals in this Bible Dictionary from, he, he, he had them in there as, uh, from biblical days in Old Testament times, and they look like slippers, and you know how in, uh, mid, in Eastern slippers, they have like a curled toe that kind of comes up and curls. And on top of the curl was a candle. And, and so it was a slipper with a candle on it. And, I, and you think about that. Every time you take a step in that light, it shines the light for the next step. And if you take that step, then you get light for the next step. I submit to you that that's how the word of God is. If you'll act on what, what God tells you right now, you will get more light. If you do not act on what God is showing you right now, there is no light to take the next step. So, um, so we are receiving. Notice, the, notice that word too, because in the, you know, in the, in the, what in the language, the syntax of it is that it's, it's an ongoing thing, a receipt where we didn't just get it once, we're getting it. In other words, it's like, it's like a dividend that keeps paying, it keeps paying, it keeps paying. So, so he says, when you receive the kingdom, it's, it's like a dividend. It just keeps paying. It just keeps paying. It, it keeps increasing. It keeps going. And so we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. As we continue to walk in this, I, I believe God's trying to show us what we need to do. And so that's the unshakable kingdom. I got to move quickly here. I forgot how I'm running late. So the other part of this is based on Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always the same yesterday, today, and forever from the book of Hebrews. Now, today, we, we're going to look at this, and I, I, I can do this, and, I, and uh, we're going to get this done. Two absolutes, and I, I'm going to move quick here. Can you stay with me? I'm going to move really quick, and you need to probably jot some of this down, and you, go, you can check it out. You're just going to have to stay with me here. The unshakable kingdom is about, write this down, absolute order. See, how many of you know the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So the kingdom of God is all about order. And it's not just, uh, you know, rules and regulations kind of order. Because how many of you know you can, give, you can give heed to rules and regulations and still miss the essence of the kingdom of God? Jesus warned us about that. That the scribes and Pharisees were all about order, so to speak, but they weren't about absolute order because they didn't surrender their order to the heart and will of God, they, they put order in as they saw fit, which was kind of hypocritical because they were always straining at gnats and swallowing camels. That's what Jesus said. And that's what you do if you think you can reduce this to a bunch of rules and regulations. You will swallow camels. It's one thing to swallow a gnat. You've all done it, whether you've know it or not. And, uh, but to swallow a camel, man, that, that takes a lot. But it's, it's just like, you know, but we do it in, 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 the, in every, every kingdom, little K kingdom, who thinks they're going to institute some kind of order, if it's not surrendered to absolute order, will become contradictory and hypocritical. 
Just like our, the kingdom of the United States of America, look at how hypocritical we are. We're hypocrites. Our laws are hypocritical. I mean, we live in a country where, where if you're 18 years, until you're 18 year olds, you can't even get your ears pierced. But you can have an abortion. Something's not right there. And, and so the kingdom of God is absolute order. It, it, because the, in the kingdom of God, it's ruled by the unchanging person who's the absolute person. And you put the absolute person together with the absolute kingdom. And what you have is you have everything is perfect. The kingdom of God is perfect. That's why it's unshakable. You can't shake it. You can't find any place it can be shaken because it's built on the eternal rock of God's word, which cannot lie and cannot lead you astray. But everything beyond that, everything in our world that's created by man is, is, is going to come down. The Bible warns us that it's going to come down. So Jesus was and is the kingdom embodied. I, I want you to, now, I know I, I got to move quick here, but think about this with me. The kingdom of God was embodied in Jesus. If it, see, because here's the thing. I've been looking in the word now for weeks. Give me, a, give me a definition of the kingdom of God I can give these people. Because you know, that's how my mind works. I, I, I want to give them a definition, but here's the problem with that. The moment you define it, you, you reduce it. Because the kingdom of God is not like A, B, C, D. The kingdom of God is Jesus. And can I ask you a question? Can you define Jesus? That's pretty hard to define. Because anything, any way you try to define him, you have to reduce him down. And so I, I just want you to understand that Jesus was and is the kingdom embodied. Everything Jesus said, everything he did, all embodied the kingdom of God. That's why we, we, we want to study this now. The king and his kingdom. Now, here's, the, here's this. As I'm sitting there. I was sitting over here yesterday, and I'm, I'm just in the presence of God. And, and, and this, thought, uh, this thought occurred to me, and I wrote it down here on the on the tile, and, and, and here it is. What is a king without a kingdom? We, what would we call a king without a kingdom? We would call him dis, dep, deposed or replaced. You know, like it, 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 we have seen rulers who have been taken out of office and they go into, what do they call that? They go into where they're in hiding, so to speak. Yeah, exile. There you go, exile. And, and, and we put these ex-leaders and kings and potentates or whatever you want to call them, presidents or whatever, you know, we put them in exile. And then they, but yet they still call them, you know, uh, King Hussein. You notice that? And King Hussein was living in the ground for how long? Until somebody dug him up and shot him. Why? Because once a king without a kingdom doesn't make sense. Then, ask, then I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, what is a kingdom without a king? So let's say you have a kingdom, and, but there's no king. 
What do you have? You have confusion. You have, you have the judges thing where every man does that which was right in his own eyes. Sound familiar? But, but what Jesus is is a king, the absolute king in the absolute kingdom. He's a king of a kingdom and the kingdom belongs to him and he is the embodiment of that kingdom. Are you with me? You say, why is that important? Because when Jesus came, he came to, to show us what God is like. What God is like. You and I would have no clue today what God is like if it wasn't for Jesus. See, it, because if you didn't have Jesus, you would think God, if you had like just the Old Testament understanding of God, wouldn't that be harsh? Step out of line and you're toast. That's harsh. And, and man, man in his origination knew what God was like. Adam knew what God was like because he walked with him in the garden. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they became separated from God. Jesus, uh, not Jesus, the, God told Adam and Eve, he said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. The word die doesn't mean cease to exist. The word death is a separation. Separation in, in death is when the spirit leaves the body. Paul said, is the spirit without the body is dead. There's a separation. When your spirit separates from your body, your body is just the tent that's dead. It's, it's lifeless. But your spirit goes on. Your, your spirit, are you, are you guys with me? Your spirit's eternal. That's why your spirit has to be born again. Jesus said in John 3, marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. Getting religious doesn't regenerate your spirit. Adhering to a religious rules and order and going to a church doesn't get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. I, I read of a man who joined 35 churches in his life, 35 churches. And when he died, they found he was an actively on the roll of 27 of those 35 churches. And somebody asked the family, why was your dad a member of so many churches? And he said, it's just in case one of them's got to be right. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not joking. That's not a joke. Uh, people, people tell me all the time, you know, they, they say, well, you know, I want to join your church. Like joining my church is going to get you to heaven. First of all, it's not my church. Second of all, my church and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's on senior day. <laughs> Pastor Mike, you should speak more highly of your church. The church was never meant to be the vehicle to get you to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only thing that will get a person to heaven is Jesus. The only way you can get your sins forgiven is for the mediator Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, to forgive you of your sins. It was his death, his sacrifice, his blood that shed for you, that sets you free and gets your name written in the Lamb's book of life. No church can do that. I don't care how good it is, how shiny it is, how polished it is. I don't care how good the preacher is. That preacher can't get you to heaven. He's going to have, listen, if he's a preacher, he's going to have a hard enough time getting there by himself. Yeah. 
You're speaking the truth now. Because <laughs> y'all say, I, know, I don't know any preachers that are saved. Well, I know a couple. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So Jesus came, I'll write this down, but I got to move on. Jesus showed us what God is like and what his kingdom is like in operation. So here's where you see Jesus' interaction with Philip in John chapter 14. And this is a, this is a section, you know, I've preached these verses in funerals a lot. I've done lots of funerals. And I, I love John 14 because it's such a message of comfort. And, um, you know, it's, it begins with, you know, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also in my father's house or many mansions, you know, and, and if it were not so, I would have told you. That's, the, that's John 14. You with me? Yeah. And so, you know, and then we're like, oh yeah, I, I want a mansion. I, Jesus is, you know, think about it. Six days he built the earth and he's been working on heaven for thousands of years. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. That's, you know. Just build my mansion over the hilltop. I mean, you know, that's, we, we, we sing about it. We, we think about it. We think about mansions. And, and actually, the, it actually, in my father's house are many rooms is how it really literally is translated. Hate to bust your bubble. You come and get, you're thinking a mansion? Can you just see somebody walking into heaven and going, I was waiting for a mansion. This is it? Come on, Lord, this is it. And so then Jesus goes on in John 14. He says, Thomas said to him, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? So Jesus is talking about going somewhere, coming back to receive them, gather them, all that. He's talking about, talking about a future gathering and all this. Thomas says, Lord, how, how do we know where you're going? How do, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? You know, he, he got his notebook out. He was like, Lord, give me directions of this place. Because he didn't have a GPS like we do. Which I don't know if that helps all the time or not. Do you know my GPS has been wrong? Do you know some of the things you've been believing about God in heaven are wrong? Yeah, because some of y'all thinking you're getting there on the basis of your good works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. I suggest you read that sometime. It's in the Bible. The Bible's a really good book. And so... Jesus said to him, now listen to this. Jesus said to him, I am the way. Here's the problem with what's going on with most of us. And, and we're always looking for the recipe. We're looking for move by move instructions. We're looking for steps. We're looking for five steps to heaven. Four steps to spiritual renewal. We're looking for 10 steps 
to revival. We, 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 look for, we look for the way into this by some formula. Lord, give me the formula here. And we, we think we're just going to work this like it's some secret formula. And when we get it all put together just the right way with all the right ingredients, boom, then something really good's going to come out of it. Jesus lets you know right away, church, listen to me. He said, There's, this ain't no formula. It's me. I. Everybody say I. I. I looked that up in the Greek and it means I. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the way. Do you see what he's saying? This, you ain't going to get this in some formula. You, you got to stay with me. You got to stay close to me. You got to come follow me. Because if you don't stay with me, all of your formulas and all of your stuff actually will end up taking you from me and away from me, departing from me, because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Everything we need, church, is in Jesus. Everything we need is in seeking him. And that's where I wanted to get to today. Now, here's what, so no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that's not politically correct because that's where we get in trouble right there because are you saying Jesus is the only way? No, he said it. Take it up with him. If you had known me, you would know my father. Wow, here we go. You see where he's going here? If you knew me, you would know the father. It's in other words, listen, if you want to know what God's like, you got to know me. Because if you, know, if you want to know the Father, then just watch me. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And that's just all, all I need. Just show me the Father. And Jesus is like, oh, oh, oh. He's just like, it's just, I, I can just see him like with me. Oh, Mike, 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 Mike. He says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me? Three and a half years, day and night, I've walked with you. I've talked with you. You know everything about me. You know every detail. You know what moves me. You know what, you know what, what makes me come alive. You know everything about me. Have I been with you and you do not know me? Here's what he says then. Listen to this. He who has seen me has seen the Father. See, without Jesus, we would have no idea what the Father's like. If you want to know about God and his attributes, you've got to know Jesus and his attributes. If you want to know God's attitude toward uh, you, then look at Jesus' attitude toward you. You follow me? Anything you want to know about God, you, you, you're going to have to know it in Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is like, this is, what is, this is why I came. This is why I came. And so how do we see God? Then I think that, that is the question. How do we see God? And this is just where I'm just going to... Bring this to a close, because here's the question of all questions. How do you see God? How do I see God? Well, Pastor Mike, that's impossible because God is invisible. 
yes, he's invisible because in a sense that he is spirit. But we've been given his Holy Spirit. The word of God says that, that, that he poured out his Holy Spirit. What was the purpose of the Holy Spirit according to John that Jesus spoke about in John? I'm going to give you a comforter and he shall speak of me. He will show you me. Everything that the Holy Spirit does is that you will see God. Now, I don't, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about visible, natural unveilings. Though actually the word see, and this is really interesting. You should, you should write this down. This is really good. The word see means to understand. If you see, you ever, you, ever, you ever been in the dark about something and somebody's talking to you and you go, oh yeah, now I, now I, what are you saying? A thought, a thought was just given to you or shared with you and you were in the dark. You know, one time I was with my brother-in-law and we were at his new house and that he bought. And, and we couldn't, I, so we were going over things and he had run some water in the bathtub and, uh, there was no, there was no plug in it. You know, I'm, I'm a, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a plumber, but I'm, I didn't just fall off the truck either, but there was no, nothing in it. And he filled it up with water. And you know what he said? He said, I think he said, I can't figure it out. It won't drain. I said, oh, I know what it is. He goes, what is it? I go, the, 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 the drain's clogged. Well, he goes, what do we do? My, he was young. He was just newly married. They were like, they were still in their teens. I go, oh, I got this. I ran up to a local hardware store. I grabbed some super straight Drano. And then I got a couple of those power bombs, you know, that, that actually use... Uh, you know, air and shoot it through there. Because I thought this, you know, this house is old. It could be clogged really good. And I get that stuff and we pour the Drano in it and it just sits there. And I go, back up, get out, get out of here. And, and, and I go, give me that bomb. And I snugged it up in the thing and I let it go. And psh, I mean, it, stuff went everywhere. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's Drano, it's Drano. Can I just tell you something? Stupid hurts. That's what John Wayne said. That, that's not in the Bible, but it's true. Stupid hurts. And I go, oh, Rod, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I said, look, if that, that thing must, you might, you probably have roots in the drain. I said, he goes, what do I do? I said, call Roto-Rooter. It was a Saturday afternoon around 6 o'clock. Do you know how much Roto-Rooter charges at Saturday at 6 o'clock? Randy, it's criminal. So this dude comes out, walks into the, walks into the bathroom. I say, yeah, I've tried Drano. I've tried the bomb. I've tried everything. I think you're going to have to get out and come from the outside, clean out and wrote a root because something it ain't given he reached down this is no joke he reached down and you know that big silver thing 
that I thought, you know, what had no, it had no, it had nothing on it. It was just a big silver thing. He just turned it one quarter of a turn and everything went bloop. And I said, oh, I see. Yeah, I felt pretty stupid. My brother-in-law felt pretty poor because that was $155 for him to walk in. Boop. I looked at him. I said, well, it could be worse. How many of us, nothing's flowing, nothing's working in our life. And we keep trying different stuff. We keep trying different tricks. We keep trying, you know, somebody says, oh, here's what you ought to do. And here's how you ought to go at this. And have you read this book? And have you watched this video? And we get, we just fill us with all this stuff. Oh, put on this song and just get in the presence of God and God will talk to you. Are you against videos? No. Are you against books? No. Are you? No. But listen to me. Listen. The thing that we need desperately right now is to see God. The only way you're going to see God is to seek God. Because he that seeketh findeth. And how, isn't it funny how we'll do all this stuff instead of seeking God? We'll come and we'll let somebody pray for us, anoint us, give us a greasy forehead. We'll let, we'll, we'll cry to people, we'll complain to people, we'll make Facebook posts. You know what I think the church is being called to right now? Be still and know that I am God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I need you to bow your heads with me. Do you see? Oh, I think I see. I I think I see the problem. Do you? Where'd you get that? Did you get it from God? Because any assessment apart from God is wrong. And if you have the wrong assessment, you will never have the right outcome. You cannot get the cure until you get the diagnosis. And the only way to get the diagnosis is, here's what I think. Here's what I think you should do. 
People tell you, they, you think you know, they think they know. Everybody is quick to tell you what your problem is. Just like this morning, many of you think the problem is I'm locked up in this room. And the Lord rode through here this morning to say, you know what, I've opened that door. Why are, you, why are you still in that wall? Why are you still in those walls, behind those prisons? Why are you still behind and in those chains? I, I let that go a long time ago. I said, see, if you don't see that, if you don't understand that, Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So with your heads bowed, I want to ask you, do you see? And if you do, it's because of what you're seeking. If you don't, it's because you're seeking the wrong thing, following the wrong advice, following the wrong thing. So right there, heads are bowed, got people at tables, we got people at chairs. I hope, I hope it doesn't offend you how this place is set up. It's set up for tonight. Because I want to tell you something, God doesn't give a rip how you're seated. What he cares about is your heart. He cares about what's going on in your heart. And he wants to know, are there any that understand? Are there any that seek God? Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to hearts right now. Some have been chasing things and going after things and living a life, God, where they go to church, but they don't go to you. God, even some of us, we go, we go, to, a, we go to a Bible study or we go to a devotion, but we don't go to you. We'll go to a church function. But we've yet to bring that thing to you. Today I pray God that you'll show them that this is a new day. For it is time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. Yes, it is time. It is time. It is time for you to seek the Lord. You've tried everything else. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm going to ask our prayer team, our leaders to come, come to the front. If today you want prayer. If you want to come to a place of agreement that I'm going to seek after the Lord. I'm going to seek after the Lord. I'm going to seek him. I've tried everything else. I keep trying other things. I keep, 
I keep pouring out my problems to people, but I, I have yet really to get before the Lord and just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Father, I ask that people will just respond to your spirit, to your call. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. I can't move them. I can't make them. I can't drive them. I'm not here, Lord God, to assert my will, my desire. God, it's your kingdom come. Your will be done right here, right now at this altar as it is in heaven. And so, God, I pray you'll draw, touch, and move people. Would you all stand? I don't do trick altar calls. I don't, I'm don't. i not here to try to uh, build my ego by getting people to the, to the altar. What I want to do is offer you a place of refuge, a place of blessing, a place of meeting. That's what, that's what this is. It's a place of meeting. The altar is, as traditionally known, is just simply a place of meeting. When they would come in the Old Testament to the altar of the Lord, it was simply a place of meeting. And they came and they brought a sacrifice and because they couldn't, they could, because of their uh, spiritual uh, bankruptcy, they couldn't approach God any other way. But you and I can come by the blood of the Lamb and we offer no excuses and we just say, here I am. And this is a place of meeting. So if you, ha- if you want a prayer today, if you need prayer and agreement, if you need something in your life as a way of meeting God, you need God to meet you in this, whatever this thing is. It could be healing. It could be deliverance. It could be, it could be for your family, for your marriage. I need God to meet me in this place. Jesus said, deny yourself, come and follow me. Come after me, come after me. So Father, I just pray blessing. I thank you, God, for those tonight, today, God, who presented themselves, oh God. And I pray for Holy Spirit to move, to speak to people. God, let them find a place of meeting. That's all, God, we just want a place of meeting. A place of meeting in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.